0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: And we miss them and, and we just, just imagine the load they're under. So, But we want to pray for them and we know God a, a help and give strength. Hallelujah. It's good to see you. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Hallelujah. We want Him to work and touch us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you, holy God. Father, we thank you that we are gathered together for a purpose, Lord God, and that purpose is to know you a little bit more. Hallelujah. Touch us today. Anoint us, Lord God. Open our minds, our hearts, Lord God, that we may be directed towards that purpose, Lord God. We thank you for what you're gonna do. Hallelujah, give us your anointing, Lord God. Strengthen us, open our minds, our hearts, Lord God. Touch us, Lord God, each and every Sunday school teacher, Lord God. Every bit of ministering, Lord God, we can't do it without you, God. We need your holy anointing and your guidance, Lord God, to be placed upon us, Lord God. Have your way, strengthen us, Lord God, I pray, Lord God. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, have its way in our lives, Lord God, I pray, this day, and touch us and keep your hand on us, God, I pray and we will thank and acknowledge you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm always reminded where God said it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the of the word of the of the word of the Lord. So we do have a responsibility. We're not just gathered to church to go through the motion or just to come here some someone speak or just hear a good message per se I want to know about the mysteries of the Lord I want to know what's in this word what's recorded in this word what's recorded in this word that pertains to me I don't want to hear somebody talk about by and by that I can't relate to tell me something that relates to me right now that can help me right now and God is a God that's why he. The, some people ask me why do you speak in parables all the time And the truth was, he said, I speak in parables. Those outside are not going to understand it. But it is given unto his disciples to know in whom or what I am speaking about. Those that would inquire of me, then I would give them the knowledge to understand of that which I speak. So if if I come in with just a half-hearted attitude about what are they doing, then I'll go home the same way, but God said if you would come in with a desire to understand what my spirit is doing, then I will give unto you to know the mysteries of the Lord, and that's what I want. That's what I want to do, but I have such a horrible time of not giving my title, so I've tried to make it a point to give you my title at the beginning, so... I will just call it Divine Commands, and I've had to shorten it, but Divine Commands, but my true title is this, Divine Commands that Require a Human Touch, Divine Commands that Require a Human Touch. James 5 is where I want to jump from, so we'll go to James 5, we'll read what the Lord's brother says about Elijah, but I'll start in 16. Confess your faults, your faults, not sins, faults, one to another, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Eighteen, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now... Some have said that Elijah was this big superhuman person. He wasn't. God anointed him. He was a man. And I believe it's very important that we look at Elijah as just the way the Bible records it. He was a man. We find ourselves looking at these heroes in the Bible as almost as if they were superhuman. James is telling us, and God anointed him to write this, I want my servants to know That he was a man just like them. Don't put him up here and you're down here. It was not like this. James said he was subject to the same passions, to the same weaknesses, to the same diseases, to the same infirmities as we are. If it bothered you, it's going to bother him. And God said, I took him and look what I made with him. So he's telling us that he suffered both in body and soul, temptation and hunger, and weariness and diseases, temptation, persecution. The man had sufferings just like us. He was a man. That's the most important thing to realize what he was talking about. And God anointed him. The Holy Ghost anointed James. You tell my people this. I want them to remember when they study of Elijah that he was a man like this. Now, he took and he said, as, as far as the effectual fervent, the only word I'll just stop on is fervent. When you look that up in the Latin, it literally means, as we have a saying, when you boil it all down, literally, that's what that word means. Fervent literally means to bowl. That's what it literally means. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. And literally the Bible even tells us there is no none righteous no not one. But he tells us literally we know, we know where our righteous stand. That is in my flesh there is no good thing. Our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. That we know. That we're aware of wherein our righteousness is. There is none righteous in me save Jesus Christ. So he said the, the fervent prayer, the passionate prayer, I'm not gonna give up no matter how many times I gotta go look towards the sea. I ain't giving up. God has promised me this. I know it can come to pass. And therefore, since God has promised me this, my prayer is, pers- is personal, it's passionate, and that will I do. And James said, do not forget he was a man just like you, just like you. Don't say, God, you anointed him in a special way that you won't anoint me. We can't do that. We cannot place him above us. God is equal. He is equal, and what I believe he wanted the church of our day and of all days to remember is that we look at them, that they attained a point that we can never get to, and that is wrong. That is wrong. God will, God uses people for special areas, I realize that. But we should not look at something in the Bible and say they reached a plateau that I can never reach to. Because God is saying through, the, through his brother that he anointed him. He was a man with the same passions just as we are. Now, the, what he did, we will not do because God had a special design. But the passion that he had, what he poured into it, It's up to you and it's up to me if we want to put that much into it. Now, we can do that. Nothing withholds us. Basically, I've said it, I've tried to say it all my spiritual life and it comes right back to haunt me. I'm as spiritual as I want to be. Literally. God don't put no ceiling on me. He says you as spiritual as you want to be. And that's why the, the, the world makes fun of us. All you talk about is holiness. You can't do this and you can't do that. What they don't realize is the more I shun the world, the closer to God I'm able to get because I make myself holy unto God. All they see is you're just doing this, just try to make yourself something that you're not. No, what I'm doing is trying to shed the evil of the world to make myself holy unto God. And he's saying, God is saying, you shed and you come close to me. And I will not resist that which will come unto me. Literally. And God's telling this through Elijah that he did this. Now, go with me to, and I'll read one verse in First, first Kings 17. And I'm, I'm going to try to be as quick as I can. First Kings 17. There's this drought. First king 17, 1 Kings 17:1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, he said, he said unto Ahab, which was the king of the, of the northern tribe, the northern tribe, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, here's Elijah. He walks in on the scene and he tells him. Now, I will tell you from the very beginning. This is just me, this is just my view. But I tend to believe that Elijah was a Gentile. And what I base that on is because the Bible, which is rich in history, it is rich on the ancestry of someone. It literally, here is Elijah. He just walks in on the scene unannounced. We know of nothing of his birth we know of nothing of his ministry. We know of nothing of his parents, of which a Bible that records all of that. Here is just Elijah that just comes in. We know nothing of a man, that nothing of the man, and he just walks in to the king unannounced, and he says, you know what? As what they, I think they used to say about old Papa, according to Bob, <laughs> it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years, according to my word. My word, God gives him the authority to say according to my word, it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years. So he tells him, and the reason I think he was a Gentile, because God got so fed up with the apostate uh, condition of Israel that God said, you won't get close to me, I'll take a Gentile and I'll show you just what I can do with him. So that's why I believe he did it. So literally, I believe it was to rebuke Israel even more. There again, I say this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. But I do believe, I tend to believe. I'm not 100% on it, but I tend to believe that Elijah was a Gentile. He said, before whom? Now, 17.1, he said, as the Lord God liveth. This whole scenario was literally, who is your God? Literally, that's what it was about. Boil it down. Who is your God? Is Baal your God or is Jehovah your God? And he tells him, as whom the Lord God liveth before whom I stand. So he gives us the secret of his success. He had been there. He stands before God. He serves before God. That is his strength. He gives him. Now, Ahab and Jezebel was two of the worst. In fact, Ahab, the Bible tells us previous, the last chapter, that he had been the worst king That Israel had had. Nobody had done the evil. That Ahab had done. And literally God had had it. He was tired of it. And he was done with it basically. And so he took. And Ahab was king of the ten northern tribes. So he says. I'm going to anoint Elijah. You go to him. You tell him this. And and, uh, Baal Literally, was the storm God, according to them, he was the God of the weather, so this was a slap in the face to their so-called God. He said, there ain't gonna rain, but I'm gonna even withhold the dew. So we'll see where your God stands. And it, 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 for three and a half years, it's not gonna do it. So, literally, that's what it was about. Now, the 18th chapter, we go to 18... And, read, and turn with me, and I'll read eighteen one. This is when it's um, at the end of three and a half years. It came to pass eighteen and one. After many days, that the word of the Lord came unto Elijah in the third year, saying, "Go show thyself unto him and I will send rain on the earth." Now, make no mistake about it, and I believe you would agree with me one hundred percent. This was a divine command given to Elijah. Now, James tells us. That Elijah prayed previously up to seventeen one. Now the Bible doesn't now. There's no contradiction there, but we fully believe that Elijah prayed when he stood before the king and said, "It ain't you know, it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years." In seventeen one, I don't think Elijah just got up and went to the king, but he said, "Before as the Lord God liveth, before whom I stand." Other words, there had been some time spent. He had spent time, and I believe God anointed him to say. You know what, Elijah? You tell him your word. You tell him your word. I've anointed you to tell him that. It's your word I'm going to hold this. That's why Ahab told him, you're the one that's troubling Israel. So this is at the end. He goes back. God tells Elijah now. You go back and tell him, I'm fixing to send some rain. Now this was a command that I think that we can agree. It was because. So now I'm going to jump to 19. Verse 19. Now, therefore, send and gather... I'm, I'm going to jump a lot of this but because a, a lot of y'all are familiar with this. So, 19. Now, therefore, send and gather unto me all of Israel. This is 18 in the 19th verse. Now, therefore, send and gather uh, to me all of Israel and to Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now, in... I'm going to read 20. I'm going to read down through 22, actually. And Ahab said unto the children of Israel, uh, sent and gathered all the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord God be God, follow him. And if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, Remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450. Now, in 19 where it talks about the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the groves, Baal was the male deity of the God. And where the prophets of the groves, that was Asherah. That was the female deity where it said that eat at Jezebel's table. That was the female deity of the God, which the 400 that ate at Jezebel's table, which made 850. Now, they take, they gather together. Elijah had anointed, uh, God had anointed Elijah and said, you go tell him, bring them all to Mount Cornwall. We'll settle this. It's time to settle this. Who is your God? Let's settle this. So jump with me now to 24. And ye call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And the people answered him and said it is well spoken. Now, up before when, when Elijah asked him, said, How long are you going to halt between two opinions? They didn't even answer him. They didn't even answer him one word. But when they said, Show the arrogance of the enemy, when Elijah told him, If they had any sense at all, they would have answered him here. No, we can't do that. But they said, It is well spoken. The God that answers by fire, let it be, it's well spoken. Okay, so they said it's well spoken. Now, they didn't really know what they was getting into. 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. 39. When all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, But I want to jump back and read something to you. Elijah, give them time, the prophets of Baal. What they did, he basically gave them all day. What they did, they basically, it was blasphemous what they did, really, when you read about it. They yelled, screamed, hollered. I mean, it was to the point that Elijah literally mocked them, the Bible says, and made fun of them. But they cut their sails It said blood gushed all over the altar and it was really, really demonic what they done. So in verse 30, at the end of that, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah tells them in verse 30, he said unto all the people, come near to me and all the people came near him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Literally, they were so violent upon the altar, they had broken the altar down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. Now, I believe God anointed him to do that. He said, I'm dealing with a northern kingdom which was only 10 tribes. But it's like, who is your God? This is all about who is your god. So when Elijah come and put it on there he didn't say bring me 10 stones. This was about Israel becoming whole. So he said bring me 12 stones. He took and he got the people close to him. He repaired the altar and he put everything on there. When you read in the scripture he basically put twelve barrels of water on there. I think the water was as much of a sacrifice as anything. Why? Because they was in a drought. And I think the water was a sacrifice to the rain that God was gonna give. So he took and he did all of this. But what I want to draw your attention to is where in verse thirty-eight, now look and I want you if 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 you if they would put thirty-eight. 1838 back up, the fire of the Lord failed. That's why we say, speaking of the Holy Ghost, it has always got to be as the Bible says. The Spirit has got to give the utterance. The Bible talks about strange fire. We have those that make their own fire and God ain't going to be happy. I, I'm, I'm just telling you. but notice notice what the Bible says. This 38 does not happen in Israel. I'm telling you, if you are a Bible scholar, you know I'm telling the truth. This does not happen. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Now, that is where it stops. When you read a fire falling and consuming something, that's it. The Bible says it consumed, when you read of sacrifices, the fire would fall and consume the sacrifice and the fat. That's it. But God said, I am sick of this. Who is your God? You make up your mind because literally, you will not sacrifice at this altar no more. Because read it. It consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust or the earth they took and licked up the water that was in the trench. This altar was not to be used no more. God said, you settle this. It's me or it's Baal. You can't have both. And God said, this altar is not gonna be used again. You make up your mind who's gonna be your God because at this altar, it will not be repeated no more. Because this does not happen in Israel. Of the sacrifices you read, they do not do it that way. And God said, I will destroy this altar. This will be the approval that I will have. God's gonna took, he destroyed it, he consumed it, licked up the water. God approved it, it's done. God is God, they fell on their face, but that's not enough. And I don't wanna sound too crude here, but when it says... If you read your Bible and it says where he took the, he took the men or, or the prophets down to the brook Kashan, literally, when you read that this is going to sound a little, little rough, but there was the, if there was 850 or 450, which the Bible speaks about the prophets of Baal, just say 400. I don't know how to say it another than just be gory, so just forgive me. But the Bible says that Elijah told him, now this is what God had told him to do. And what I have said, listen to me, what they did natural, we do spiritual. That's why God said, don't play with sin. Don't play with sin. So Elijah said, do not let none of them escape. He took them down to the brook. When you look up that on a land map, that was the closest point to the Mediterranean Sea. That brook ran right into the sea. He took them there let their blood run right out into the Mediterranean. That was the closest point. You had 450 men that you had to drain the blood out of. I'm telling you, God wasn't playing. Take them down, slay them, get rid of them. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of the prophets of the groves. Jezebel was slaying the holy prophets. God said, I've had enough of it. Deal with this, because you will not sacrifice at this altar no more. I'm done with it. Now, Elisha, I know this was a divine command. Now, I want to go. I want to hurry. Now, he tells him in 41, 1841, Elijah said unto Ahab, get up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab, this is usually the way it goes. Ahab, worldly. What does he do? He goes to eat and drink. Elijah, he goes to the top. Now, they're about halfway. Carmelite is around 1700 feet to the top Elijah goes to the top of Carmel cast himself down put his face between his knees here's that prayer and he told his servant he said go up look towards the sea and he went up and looked and said there is nothing and he said go again seven times and I'll, re- and I'll read 44 and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said behold there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand and he said go up and say unto him prepare thy chariot Get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Now, this is the point, us as humans, that we have trouble. I know, I know, I'll bring it to 2016. I know God anointed me to do this. I know I'm in the will of God. And it will not work out. Find yourself in this story. I know you're here. God told him. Now here Elijah just goes through. He goes boldly to the king and says, you know what? According to me, it ain't gonna rain. He just slays the prophets. Watch their blood drain out into the sea. Now he tells his servant, he says, go look. And the servant comes back and says, you know what? I don't see nothing. I don't see nothing. It's clear. And James told us, he was a man just like you. So I don't think Elijah's saying, oh, that's all right. That's all right. No big deal. No. I think he's thinking, I don't know. What's wrong? So he put his face to his knees. He did what he knew to do. He prayed. His prayer is what brought this about. He prayed until he had to go back seven times. And it seems like, oh, you're just thinking, it's just like God is just toying with him. No, he is not. It is just like this is where we, this is where when we're tested in this, when we know, we know we're right, we know we're right according to scripture and still it will not work out. What is wrong? And we can't put our hand on it. We just cannot get it to work out. And Elijah said, I ain't quitting. I am not quitting. And this is what I think concerning that. I believe it's literally because God told him in seventeen one when this all started, God gave him the authority to tell the king, it will be according to my word. You started this, and Elijah, you gonna be the one to end this. God anointed him. He told him, you go tell the king. But you're gonna pray. We're gonna see what's in you, old boy. And God's gonna say, you go back. You, you just keep sending the servant. And the servant goes back. And I think he come back. And when he said there's a cloud rising like a, like a man's hand, that was what Elijah needed to know. God is just saying, I got the water. I've got the water. You've been praying. You hadn't give up. When you didn't understand, when everybody was saying, oh yeah, it's not gonna rain. We're in a drought, Elijah. You're the one run your mouth and said everything's gonna be okay. But God is saying, I got the rain. The rain's been here the whole time. And Elijah would not quit. So when we find ourselves in these Elijah situations, when we know we're right, we know we've done the will of God, we can't give in, we know we 're right, and God is going to help us, and we find ourselves, and we just i don 't know i don 't know what 's wrong just we't we cannot give in, we cannot give in this was a divine command that required a human touch, and God anointed Elijah to do this, and he did it now jump with me to daniel let 's go to daniel daniel nine two I'll try to be quick. Daniel 9-2. The Bible says in Daniel 9-2, In the year of his reign, speaking of Darius, I, Daniel, understood the books by the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now, I I will read that to you. In Jeremiah 29.10, this is what it says. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Now, there's one other I want to read to you. 25.12. And it shall come to pass... When 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation saith the Lord for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. Now, there's a lot of this. And for time's sake I'll just try to, I'll just try to go through it. Um, here is Daniel. He's he's in captivity. God has told him they're going to be there 70 years. So what I want to do is liken that to us. God had told him, there will be a time that you will be able to go home. So, what started this, the reason they're in Babylon, is Hezekiah was sick. And God added, or excuse me, God sent the prophet Isaiah to him, to Hezekiah, and told him, said, Get your house in order, you're going to die. So then, as Isaiah is leaving, while he's still in the court, God tells him, Go back, tell Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years to his life. So he does, he goes back, and then afterwards, it's it's close in scripture, but afterwards, um, what Hezekiah does is really what I think happened. Is those the, the king of Babylon? I think wanted to join an alliance with Judah, and wanted him to take and join him with him against Assyria. But when you read in the Bible, God had already told him, I will deliver you from Assyria. So I think it was just out of sheer pride when the king of Babylon come that Hezekiah wanted to just open up everything and show everything to them. And what Hezekiah did out of pride, he opened up his house and he revealed all his treasure. And then Isaiah come. And he had a couple questions. He says, what did these men say? And where did they come from? And Hezekiah just said, look, they come from Babylon. And basically, the prophet Isaiah told him, said, you do not realize what you have done. God has added 15 years to your life. And this is what you've done. And in, in 2 Kings 20 and 16... I'll just read it to you. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house and that is in thy father's house that is laid up store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And thy sons that shall issue from thee that thou shalt beget, they shall be taken away and thou shalt be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now this... Nineteen is the coldest phrase I think of that's in the Bible. Then Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? You know, this is not going to happen in my lifetime. As long as I have peace, that's all that matters. But Hezekiah... Didn't realize, and I believe Isaiah told him, you do not understand. You're looking at natural treasure. What you don't understand is they are gonna take the real treasure. Your sons are gonna be taken. That is your treasure. You think that little bit of stuff you showed them, the gold and your precious things, that's the treasure, it's not. They're gonna take your sons. They're gonna take them to the palace And they're going to make eunuchs out of them. That is the treasure they're going to take. And he says, you know what? As long as I have peace in my day, everything's okay. So that is how, in Daniel's day, that they wound up in Babylon. Now, you can't contaminate that which is holy with the world. Now, the 70 years... That's why they was in Babylon. Now, the 70 years, I want to tell you where that come from. God told Israel from the time they come out, when they come out of Egypt, this is from the time of Saul all the way up to the Babylonian captivity. God told Israel, every seventh year, you are to give every uh It's every 70 years. No, every seventh year. Every seventh year, you are to give one year as a land of rest. Other words, the land was to have a Sabbath every seventh year. So Israel didn't do this. So God says, you know what? The land is going to have its rest. So you've been here 490 years, which will make, Seventy years. So that's where the seventy years come from, and now that tells us how seventy years are determined. We know why they was in Babylon. Now, and that's why Daniel was reading, and in nine two, is where he tells us that he understood by the books. That's why God says it is given unto you to know the mysteries. That's why reading God's word and studying it with the Holy Ghost. Daniel is saying I was reading and I understood by the words in the book by the prophet Jeremiah that it's almost time to go home. And what I've read, I guess it's around the 67th year of captivity that Daniel wrote this. So he says that he set his face towards God. He started praying and fasting and he started because he knew according to Scripture and it was like those that just said, you know, well, well, why did you know why did Daniel need to pray if 70 years if God's word is true? God's promises don't, you know, just let us off of praying. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. That's why when we read of Elijah and tells that he was a man subject to the same passions, that gives us hope. When you read after the story that I spoke of, you see the human, the human side of Elijah. I mean, you see everything he spoke of. But Daniel said that he set his face, he sought the Lord, he prayed to the Lord. He confessed the sins of Israel. He wanted to get himself right. And we know God has told us, I am coming again. And he told us in his word, there would be scoffers in the last days that would say, where is the promise of his coming? And God would say, I have told you. And nothing, nothing gives God any more pleasure to give us something that he has already promised in his word. And just like Daniel, we have been told that God will come for his church. The one thing he told us not to do is try to pinpoint a date. He just said, I will give you the grace, the strength, I'll give you the knowledge to live into whatever time or area that you have to live in. God will do that. So he is doing, and Daniel is taking, he is saying, I understood, I am doing this. And that's why I I wanted to bring Daniel into this because it was a divine command. But here though, even though Daniel could have just sat back and said, you know what, Jeremiah told us we've only got 70 years, so we don't have long, so we don't have to do nothing. But God's people that wants to be close to him, that wants to feel his presence, don't do that. And that's why Daniel set his face, he wanted to see what God wanted of him and expected of him, because he knew that it was almost time for them to go. So he took and he took and he worked and he sought the Lord and he did everything he could to see this come about. Now, in 1940, there was a landmark that was drove down here and there was some issues that was settled because just like Elijah when he asked Israel is Baal your god or is Jehovah your god the landmark was drove down in 1940 and 76 years later we hadn't moved the landmark and we're not going to move the landmark because in 76 years, there have been some people that's left here and when they come back, they need to find the landmark right where it was. It hadn't moved. It's gonna stay the same. We understand. We believe. It's not us. We believe that Jehovah wrapped himself in human flesh. He loved us so much that he wrapped himself in human flesh and came to this earth We believe that Jesus Christ is the visible image of Jehovah God. And we believe his spirit not only comes on us, but dwells in us. He told us himself, I will not leave you. I will come to you, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost that imparts and gives us. It is a speaking as the spirit of God gives the utterance. We believe that. It is these issues. It is that we have put. Now, the one thing I believe and the one thing I think we must do as a New Testament church, and we always, uh, and, and, and I understand this point, but John 1.14 said, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, we always think of the Lord. Now, what we need to do, this is me, what we need to do, and the word was made flesh, we have got to relate that to us. And the word was made flesh, literally. He told Ezekiel, he told Jeremiah, eat this word. You have got to consume it. God said, he is our example. He is the one. And he said, that word was made flesh, This word is what he fought the enemy with and won. This word is what he overcome temptation with. So how can I be successful if this word does not become flesh in my life? So his church that he gave authority to, power over the enemy, it has got to become flesh in us because when it does, we have the authority of the one that gave all authority and it is truly the Lord and God said a promise. He gave a divine command to the New Testament church. He said God would add daily such as should be saved. So there's only two ways to look at it. It's either raining Or I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There is no in between. The landmark's here and we're not moving it. Because there's others. The world says, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. It's not about that. It's about getting close to our God. It's about feeling him. It's about a relationship. It's about not moving any landmarks. It's about driving them down, keeping them in the same place, keeping them where they should be, staying holy to God. Because literally... A world that's changing every day, literally, it's changing every day. It's almost irritating. When I was young, you get up, you listen to the weather, and that was the forecast. Now I, I, I look at my tablet, and it said updated a moment ago on the weather. There's no use to watch the weather; it changes the next moment. Give me something that does not change. That's why I say this word is the same as it always has been. It has not changed the doctrine in it, the standards in it, the holiness in it. It will not change. We need something that does not waver, that is not weak, that does not give in when the enemy comes against us. It will remain the same and it will be our strength because Elijah told us, It is the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, before whom I serve, that end is where my strength is. That's why God told Martha, Mary has chosen the good part and that it will not be taken against her. She has chose to spend time with me. And nothing can take that from her. Nothing can take that from her. When you choose to spend time with God and you meditate or you pray or you read his word, Nothing can take that from you because we have divine commands that require your flesh. We have them. And like I said, when we get into these Elijah situations and you just tell yourself, I'm doing everything I know to do right. I know, I know God has given me this. I know God promised me this. Go read the story of Elijah. And I believe I'm a numbers man because God was a numbers man. And I believe the only way seven relates to this, because truly in the Bible, seven relates to completeness. So I believe in the in in the number when He said go again seven times. The only relation seven is to that number is Elijah prayed till it was complete. So he got down and just as God said, I'm honoring your prayer as you go before the king. You started this, Elijah, and you will in this. So what would happen if he would have quit the sixth time he went? I really don't know. But Elijah was not that kind of a man. Hallelujah.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m.